How many times have you said to yourself, I'm going to succeed, and yet you keep coming up short? You probably noticed that high achievers with heart do things differently, but you just can't put your finger on it. You're curious about why high achievers accomplish more and have more satisfying relationships. It's because success is the result of your mindset and the consistent actions you take. This show is designed with your success in mind. By revealing these powerful patterns of our dynamic individuals and guest experts, you can model what they do and apply to your future success now. Let's roll up our sleeves and get started. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. And welcome, everyone. Happy Tuesday, as always. It is Success Pattern Show time, where we're going to roll up our sleeves and give you golden nuggets, because success patterns are more valuable than ideas. Let me explain. Ideas, while very powerful, require trial and error, a lot of time to put into action. Just think about manufacturing, okay? First, you have this idea then a proof of concept, then a working prototype, then small production badges, and then finally, maybe, a full-scale production. This can take months, maybe even years. And some of you might have met some people who are collectors of great ideas, but they do little else. Forget everything you know about or heard about ideas. You're not looking for ideas. You are looking for success patterns. Success patterns are different and success patterns are better. Why? Well, first of all, they're proven, have a logical sequence of steps to follow, have an action imperative, and deliver consistent results. In today's content-rich success pattern show, you're going to learn these valuable success patterns as we are going to talk about building your authority through books. Mm-hmm. So I have an incredible guest here today. His name is Andrew Dupee. He is the Chief Relationship Officer for Leaders Press with a demonstrated history and working in the publishing industry for more than 15 years, developing extensive customer sales support management and executive experience. He'll help you upscale your business and build your legacy. I'm so excited to dive into this and have a conversation with him, Andrew Dupee. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Yes, so building a legacy. I, I hear this word legacy often, right? Yeah. For the ones that do, that also have heard it, but they're like, I don't know, what, is, what does that even mean? Andrew, what does legacy mean? It, it can mean a lot of things. Uh, legacy for the most part is going to mean leaving something for the future whether that be just telling people what your story was how you achieved something in business demonstrating well where did i succeed where did i fail sometimes failure is actually the thing you really want to talk about because you want to help people avoid that kind of thing uh but legacy can also be something that builds within your business and yourself telling people why they should work with you. It's about building trust. It's about saying, hey, I'm not a Johnny-come-lately. I've been doing this for years. This is why I'm an expert in my arena. So not only am I telling you my story, but I'm telling you why you should trust me, why you should be doing business with me. Now, I hear a lot of people that, you know, I think we all have a book in us. Would you agree on that? 
So, I completely, us, 100% agree with that. Some of us have, you know, multiple books within us. Um, people would want to write their book, you know, just to take uh, Jack Canfield, for example. I want to be like a, like a Jack, Jack Canfield and sell like millions and Brazilians of books. Is that the goal? Is that the end goal? Not always. Uh, it can be. It can be the end goal. If that's something that you want to do, there are ways in which you can do it. But, you know, there's only rarely do you have a Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen. Rarely do you have a chicken soup for the soul that's going to come out and break through and sell millions and millions of books. So and I hear people say, well, if I can't sell millions of books, then why do it? Well, I say, we'll talk to my friend Paul Mahoney, who made millions off of his books without necessarily having to sell that many copies of them. Uh, having a book isn't really necessarily the idea of my metric for success, my KPI that I have to achieve is I sell X numbers of books. There's many other ways to look at it, whether it be uh, if your goal is just to tell a story, just to do that, then yeah, there's ways in which you can leverage that into success. But if your goal is to build trust, build an environment where you now have something that can serve as a lead magnet or something that's going to bring you direct business in ways that are other than just direct sales, that actually can be something that is more profitable and more achievable than just saying, I want to hit number one on bestsellers for a long period of time and break in the royalties. Right. So I'm thinking of a very small and powerful book that I read. I don't know, like decades ago by T. Harvecker. And it wasn't really the book for the value of the book, but there was an invitation at the end of the book to come to one of his programs, right? I thought that was really powerful. And when I first read that book, I remember getting it uh, from the library, like literally decades ago. And I was so intrigued because I was like, oh, that's interesting. There's a there's an invitation at the end of this book. And I started looking into it and, and doing some research. And before you know it, I found myself at one of those programs. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the book for the sake of writing the book. Like you said, it's a, a, yeah. for, for T. Harv, it's a huge um, lead generator, I think, to this day. And the, yeah, and the absolutely. And the thing about it is that's exactly correct. It's a lead generator as long as you are in business and as long as that book is available for somebody to read. It's evergreen. It's something that is with you forever. And even if you don't directly have it available for sales, sometimes I've had clients that I've worked with that really have just wanted to give their book away. I mean, they get the bonus of working with a publisher like us where you're going to actually have your book in bookstores, distributed to bookstores. You're going to have your book available on Amazon in paperback and hardcover. But there's situations where just having something that you can mail to your client list, having something very small, maybe even 100 pages that you can continually give away, just like one of our authors that's behind me, uh, uh, Chris Katranis said, when he started working with us, said, I just want my business card replaced. I don't want to walk into a boardroom in Dubai anymore and hand everybody my business card and hope somebody's going to call me. I want to hand in the book and my number's at the back. <laughs> That's powerful because, yeah. because even though if the, the person is not completely reading that book, what message does a book send rather than a business card, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so building authority. We, we already talked about building legacy. Building authority.
um, first of all, what does authority mean? And then second of all, how do you build that through a book? Well, authority can mean a lot of things. In many situations, authority can be as simple as just building trust. Authority can say to someone, uh, like, say in our example of a publishing business, I am an expert in the publishing arena. Well, why are you an expert in the publishing arena is the question that somebody is going to ask. Why am I not looking at other publishers? Why do I want to do hybrid instead of, uh, say, traditional or, or self-publishing? What makes you the authority? Why should I want to work with you? I think that's one of the central points of authority. And a book immediately helps you answer that because you're able to simply, well, tell your audience why. <laughs> you're able to put it there directly. And that's by being able to actually tell your story. Because when you're actually relating to a reader, rather than saying a 15-minute pitch that you might find on a website or just something in a blog post, what a book actually does is it brings the reader in and starts to actually let them learn what you did to become who you are. And when you preface that, even in a lead generator, even in a book that's purely about being a lead magnet, when you preface that with your story, you make an instant connection that is absolutely invaluable in being able to preframe someone to work with you. So, so the authority, the authority in in as you are being perceived by having a book is simply you you have taken the time to sit down to write your book. You've yeah. put thought into what is this book about? What is it? Why am I the authority? Why should people listen to me? Right? Absolutely. And and there's actually a story in this. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you said something really important. Um, and we said many important things, but few, two things that really stood out to me, and it's already in your um, in your description of who you are in the company, it's building relationships. And by building relationships, you build trust. And a book builds that quickly. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And it builds that quickly through not just being able to tell your story, but to tell it in such a way that then leads other avenues to interest people from the outside to then learning more about you. Um, I'll give you a little spoiler. I'll give you a trick. And, and a lot of authors know this and other publishers know this. You don't want to tell too much in a book. It's one of the reasons why you want to actually have help writing your book, because you don't want to give too much of your secret sauce away. Because when you do that and you have a the end at the end of your book and it's like everything I am is right here. Well, what reason does anybody else have to then follow beyond that? They have the book. They have the answers. What you want to do is tell enough to then say, and now engage with me in other avenues, engage with me on a podcast, come to see my public speaking, just like you said that you had done before, uh, engage in my blog post, begin to actually do back and forth work with me in which I can now tell you the rest of what I have available. That's how you then begin to build a funnel. That's how you then begin to actually be turn your book into something that's creating a large amount of active ROI. And if we really look at it, I mean, you know, we've all been on Netflix and we've all watched a series of some sorts. That's what happens in series. There's always an open end. There's always a cliffhanger. There's always the whole story is never completely told. Right. And, yep. and you make you make um, a, that that's a pattern. There's the, the pattern right there. So you parts of the pattern that you already described is 
you write the book, you invite them to come to the podcast or to the program or start coaching with them or whatever the call to action may be, whatever the, uh, the, the blanks that you leave open that you want people to really engage and go, I want to learn more about this. They're, they're, they're literally, not literally leaning in and wanting to learn more. Um, and I'm curious, I'm pretty sure you work with a lot of people, like what would be an overall common mistake of people that are just starting to write their book? <laughs> there are so, so, so many. <laughs> one of, it, really, it is. That's one of the things that people discover. Many go into publishing going right for the throat of, I'm going to try to write a book. It's either going to be picked up traditionally. And if it's not, well, I can just do all the work myself. I can self-publish. That becomes one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of people make is they don't understand how much work goes into writing a book. It isn't just writing it. It's also, how are you going to make sure that you outline it correctly to begin with? How are you going to make sure that you have it edited properly? What distribution channels are you going to go to? Are those distribution channels that you're considering the right ones to reach the audiences that you want to reach? Uh, are you going to do a hardcover? Are you going to do a paperback? What are the advantages and disadvantages to those? These are questions that people don't know to ask when they're just immediately saying, I want to sit down and write a book. Questions like, should I write it myself? Should I work with a ghostwriter? What are the advantages and disadvantages of those? Uh, and I think that that becomes one of the most central mistakes that people make is they start to write their book. They begin that process. They say, okay, I'm going to do this finally. And then they get overwhelmed and many times mm -hmm. they walk away. And this is even in fiction. I, I've, I've met with uh, people like Pat Rothfuss and you know, I've read the books about uh, Ian Fleming and they many times were overwhelmed by just the amount of work that took even in fiction publishing to put things together. And sometimes they thought about, my goodness, I should just walk away. And that I think becomes something really does become an issue is that overwhelming sense at the beginning without help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely see that. I mean, it that overwhelm can be can come from so many from so many avenues. And there are people I believe that it's very easy for them just to sit down and write. And they also need help in formatting and proofreading and everything that goes into creating a book. Now, there are other media that a business owner can use for scaling, can use for lead gen, can use for upscaling. What comes first? Like this is a this is a chicken chicken slash egg question. You know, do I do first do a podcast and then a book, or first the book and then the podcast, or do I blog, or do I vlog, or what do I do? There's so many opportunities, right? What comes first? The book. It, it really does, and I, I believe that very strongly. The book comes first because the book becomes the actual central point, the anchors from everything else that you do. When you build a podcast, which is another popular thing, I mean, I'm on one with you right now. I have one myself. I mean, everybody's got a podcast, and there's a reason why everyone does. But that book becomes something that absolutely can help you build out that podcast. You can give the book away. You can advertise the book on it. You can go on other people's podcasts and advertise it. It's something that immediately begins that connection that will start to get you invitations into those kind of networks that you absolutely want that you can't necessarily do just by starting out and saying, well, I'm going to just go online right now. I'm going to make a blog. I'm going to start making blog posts. I'm going to start trying to get guests. 
it's going to be really hard to do that without something that's already got guests interested. I mean, I even have a book through our own uh, company, Don't Buy the Watch. It's tells it's only about 100 pages as a pure lead generator. And it was something that I made sure that I wrote and that we had available well before we actually launched Leaders Talk and began to actually build joint venture programs that we're building out right now to work with our authors and others. So you are literally following your own pattern that you have created. Yes. And we've done it since the very beginning. Our very first books that we launched were our own and they were us showing what we could actually do. They were putting our money where our mouth is. Now, I always look for alignment, right? Because there's so many, I'm going to call them gurus out there that say, oh, do this and do that. You must do this and don't do this. And they follow none of their own <laughs> advice, right? You, you put your money where your mouth is. So I'm curious, Andrew, did you grow up as a bookworm? Is that something that little Andrew said, <laughs> you know what? When I grow up, I am going to be the uh, chief relationship officer for a book publishing company. I was a school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I taught I taught high school history for most of my life. Oh, uh, yeah, those are what my degrees behind me <laughs> are in history. So, yes, the answer is yes. I grew up as a bookworm because my degrees in history and English. I mean, obviously, those were. We had a kind of a joke in the history department uh, at uh, AUM when I was young. It's like, well, all you really need to learn is, uh, would you like fries with that? <laughs> <laughs> that is completely untrue. It's it, because actually what it did is it provided me a lot of a basis for being able to understand how to do research, how to read, how to how writing a book actually can help build out your authority, as we've said before, or be able to tell stories. I mean, I was a published author well before in, in academia, well before I actually began to work in publishing. And many of the skills that I learned in academia and working as a teacher began to relate over. And my sales skills, of course, I developed because, well, heck, when you're a teacher in the United States, you have to have a second job. <laughs> That's also true. I am speaking from teacher to teacher. Um, so, you know, I, I, I hear academia very heavy. Um, I would assume that you sometimes receive books written by, you know, some, some self-announced self-development person and you just internally just want to, you know, put your heads in front uh, your hands in front of your eyes and go, where did you learn to write? What do you do with people like that? Do you say, do you, gently nudge them to here's a ghostwriter you should you should talk to them like how do you handle that we we don't just gently nudge them we immediately put them in the room with the ghostwriter <laughs> um that is actually part of what leaders press is all about is being able to help someone who is not necessarily a natively good writer or mm -hmm. someone that doesn't necessarily have the time i mean many of our authors are expert writers many of our authors have uh, a large amount of academic experience. Kevin Jackson, Click to Transform, immediately comes to mind. In fact, his book that he, we did with him became a university textbook at Tulane. And, oh, wow. we, and in those situations, we have someone that comes in the room and says, well, if you're someone like Kevin, who wrote most of his own book, but he was very direct. I am an academic writer. I can't really connect with an audience. I need some ghostwriting help. Well, that's why Leaders Press has in-house ghostwriters. Or that's why we talked to someone like Po Chung, uh, co-founder of DHL's Southeast Asian branch, 
who wrote Design to Win with us. Uh, Mr. Chung had been in business for more than 40 years at DHL. I mean, he knew Larry Hillbaum back in the 70s. He spent time in a Chinese prison because DHL was considered to be a uh, criminal organization in communist China because they were surpassing communist China's uh, distribution channels to deliver courier packages. And these are interesting, fantastic stories. But Mr. Chung, he was a very much a businessman. He needed help. So that's why we did the marriage of Let's Find a Ghostwriter that can take these amazing stories of how you helped build DHL, something most people in the United States don't know about that side of the company. Mm -hmm. And let's bring that story together by having an expert writer sit down with you. And rather than you write it yourself, let's just do some interviews. Let's talk and turn that talk into words that we can put in the book. That would have been my next question. Is it wise to just speak your book and then have it transcribed? In many cases, I would say yes. Not in every single case. Uh, there are certain authors whose voice is so important to them that they feel that they must put the book into writing themselves. And I don't have any dispute with that. In fact, we publish many books that are written actually by the authors. It's a good way to go about it. But we also have many authors that just feel like their best way to communicate is through talking. And when we have someone like that, when we can see that this is a person who is a brilliant business person, usually a CEO that's working hundreds of hours a week, that's you know all the way down to barely having any time that the old adage, I'll rest when I die is their motto. Well, when do you find time to write a book? When do you find right. time to actually sit down and do it? In those cases, a ghostwriter is absolutely helpful. Yeah. And the ghostwriter will, in that interview process, will get enough of the, of the voice, of the, the style of the author out to be able to write that. I mean, where else they Absolutely. Would. And, that's, crucial. and that's, that's what separates companies like Leaders Press from Eddie's, uh, like a freelance ghostwriter that you might find or some of the smaller companies that might be out there that you know, I'm not going to really go into. But the reason that Leaders Press has succeeded is because we keep in-house authors. We make sure that our authors are people that we work with all the time on all of our books. And the reason that we work with our in-house authors is we know that they have the ability to find our clients' voices and turn those voices into the book and make it what they wanted. Not necessarily just strict stitching transcripts together and putting it out there <laughs> and, and launching it on KDP, making sure the author's voice is absolutely imperative to the process. The, I love that. And thank you for, for reiterating that. A lot of people are often you hear, you know, I had to write the book for me and, and it's almost like, a, it's almost therapeutic. It's almost like it has to come out. It's flowing through me. And then, and then the, the byproduct is a lead generation, uh, a, a business card in form of a book, or, or even a, you know, um, a wealth generator by, you never know. I, I don't know if Jack Canfield really you know, had the intention to write, I don't know how many chicken soup of the souls books he wrote. I don't know the whole story behind it. Do you know? Uh, I know it through Mark Victor Hansen. And, and no, they did not expect to have the success that they had with Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, they had been rejected by traditional publishers before they decided to go the self-publishing route with it. Mm -hmm. And it connected, it clicked, it hit, and it exploded, which is why I say at the beginning, it's not necessarily that you shouldn't believe that your objective is to sell millions of books. 
it's not to necessarily go into it with that being the ultimate goal saying, I must do this mm -hmm. to consider myself successful. Your book may hit. The next book may come out that just that becomes the next chicken soup for the soul. But in many cases, those kind of books, uh, it's really hit or miss whether or not your book will be there. I have a saying, and I use it a lot, uh, I use it in my webinar. Sometimes if you build it, they don't come. You can write the absolute best book in the world, but that's not necessarily going to turn into chicken soup for the soul because you don't have the eyes on it and you don't have the patterns and the, and the groups that are going to come in and say, hey, share this. I'm going to write reviews of it. I'm going to actually talk to my friends about it. That momentum builds through at least getting those first eyes on your product. Mm -hmm. So it's visibility. It's not just authority. It's it's and, and credibility. It's visibility. So so a having a little bit of visibility beforehand as you're writing the book will help to make the book even more successful. That's what it sounds like. And then it gets you even more visibility once you have it out. So Absolutely. here is the, the, the chicken and the egg. What do you, in your opinion, what is like the number one thing that, um, that one needs in order to be successful? In order, I think that one of the major things that you need to be in order to be successful is just to have the initiative to get it done. I talk to a lot of people on my podcast week in and week out, and I always close with a section where we talk about what do you suggest that others do? And I continually hear the same thing over and over again. The answer is just get out there and do it. Make sure that you actually have the initiative that once you decide that you're going to do something, especially like writing a book, once you decide that you're going to do it, go ahead and do it. Find whatever avenue you can to make it happen, even if there is a chance of failure. Because, you know, we, we'd already circled back from what I said before. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they become overwhelmed at the beginning of the process. They don't do it. And then 20 years later, it's still not done. And we've had authors that have done that. I'll, I'll mention another one. Tom Phaedra with Next Level Selling. Uh, Dennis Andrews with Two Blue. They were authors that came to us and they've been trying for decades to get their books written. And they continually walked away from it. And when they finally got them done. It brought in Tom millions of dollars in contracts that he had landed because he actually made the initiative to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Leaders Press. It's going to have an upfront cost investment that I wouldn't necessarily have by going through self-publishing. But I know that I have to get this done. I need an accountability partner. I need something to do it. And he just took the initiative and pushed through. And you'll find that when you do that, even if you're not necessarily successful, you'll at least learn why you weren't successful if it doesn't work. And if you learn why you weren't successful, then go back at it again. Hit it again in a different way and use the failures, if you had any, to find out the ways that you can actually stake your way to success. I, I like to say there are no failures, but if you're not doing it, you don't get the feedback to actually exactly. do it. Right? It, exactly. And I think fear becomes one of the biggest sure. anti-motivating factors that's in there. They don't necessarily want to fail, especially on a book because – a book can kind of be your baby. You don't want your first baby to be done wrong. And we right. completely agree with that, which is why somebody like us, Leaders Press, should be here talking to when you're beginning to think about your first book, because that baby can be then helped along by doctors. <laughs> Leaders but Press you know, consider us your doctor. You know what? I, I was just talking to a friend the other day, and, and her and I, we have more than one child. And where we were talking about, oh, if we would have known what we now know, having more than one child, we would have been, you know, that 
dealing with our firstborn would have been so much easier. Of course, you know, hindsight is 2020. It seems to be the same process here. You just got to get it out. Um, I, I had a, a, a mentor many, many years ago, and he used the word, just just use sloppy success. Just put it out there and then we can refine it, but sloppy success. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds really horrible. As a teacher, like sloppy success, I don't know if I want to do that. But once I just got comfortable with it and got out and then know that it can become better and you can improve it and you can make it, and you can have a whole team to help you improve it. And here's here's my question. You had you do have a whole team. Difference between self-publishing and what you guys do. Uh, the difference between self-publishing is that you begin the process by believing you're going to do it all yourself and then you actually hire your team later. <laughs> and that's a little bit hyperbole, but it really ends up being what happens in many circumstances. With self-publishing, you're doing everything yourself. And one of the things that immediately people realize in self-publishing is that that's a lot of work and it needs a lot of work that you have to actually begin to outsource as part of your process. When you're self-publishing, you're going to need to bring in to work with you directly an editor. When you're in self-publishing, sometimes you're going to need to bring in a ghostwriter to help you polish the script. You might need more than one editor. And then when you're in self-publishing, you must also decide, what am I going to do to get the book out there? How am I going to get it in front of my audience? What distribution channels am I going to use? And then what kind of marketing am I going to have behind it? If I have no marketing at all and I just release something through Amazon KDP, which many people do, well, six of your friends might read it and that's about it. And you'll yeah. never get the visibility beyond that. And what many people find is when they're in self-publishing, they site, I really want this to be done right. They then have to hire very good editors. They have to hire out a distribution partner to actually get the book warehoused, uh, put in the bookstores if that's their goal, which is another whole rigmarole they have to go through. They have to find ways to market it in which people are going to be able to come in and bring reviews. So they usually will have to outsource marketing. And by the end of that, what you've done is you've done what Leaders Press does as a turnkey. <laughs> and you've done it much more expensively and over a much longer period of time. And with a product that isn't necessarily going to be as good as you would have if you started the whole process. What sounds, like to, sounds like to me, the person that's hiring a general contractor versus the person that says, ah, I'm just going to go to Lowe's or Home Depot and get me the lumber and get me a nail gun. And I'm going to I'm going to build that thing myself. Yep. Before you hire, before you finally end up saying, I can't do it, you bring in a contractor. <laughs> but yeah. There yeah. are times, and I want to make sure that to point this out, there are times that there are people that have the skill, the ambition, the ability, the knowledge, they've done the work that can do it. There's always going to be somebody that can build that deck as well as a contractor can. So it's about being able to know who you are, what your own capabilities are, what your own limitations are, yeah. accept them, and then immediately begin to answer the question at the beginning of the process rather than six months, a year down the line. Yeah. Wow, that's that was really, really important. What a great success pattern uh, that is. Now, you mentioned earlier, you got your own podcast. Yes. How do people get on your podcast? Uh, well, we have a link that we can provide. It's uh, leaderspress.com slash r dash podcasts. And we also have a YouTube channel that's called Leaders Talk. And so you can look us up there. Yeah, it's through our website or you go straight to YouTube Leaders Talk. We also have a 
release on Spotify, also Leaders Talk. And yeah, we do a weekly podcast and we've been able to actually have great guests on, uh, people like Jeffrey Hazlett, uh, J.D. Gershbein, uh, Adrian Mazzone, there's all, and including our own authors. And our own authors talk about their success stories and things that they have been able to do to actually turn their book into, well, what now? <laughs> I have the book and what's the next step? And that's a value proposition that we add for our authors. When someone comes to work with us, we don't just send them out the door at the end and say, well, there's your book. Bye. Thanks. And, and then bring in the next person. That's what I am there for to then begin helping the next steps of getting them some visibility, connecting them with people that we know, like, uh, for example, Jackie Lappin, uh, and then being able to help them build out that book to actually get on other podcasts, to be able to get speaking engagements. There's many ways that you can leverage a book to, to get the visibility you need. And honestly, our podcast is the way that we bring in visibility for ourselves. Love it. So make sure, guys, that you go to Leaders Talk on YouTube or simply leaders, leaderspress.com slash our dash podcast. Now, I know people are watching this, Andrew, and they're like, I need to get with Andrew. I need to, I need to have a conversation with him. How do people get in touch with you? Easiest way is to either find me on LinkedIn under my name, Andrew Dupy. I'm the only one there. <laughs> or the best way is actually just to give me, shoot me an email. It's andrew.dupy at leaderspress.com. Uh, very simple. Just shoot me an email. We could actually begin to have a conversation. If you're interested in possibly putting together a book or just want to talk about things that we offer, I'm always open to having a conversation or even coming on the podcast. If you're someone that has a business and they want to boost their signal, uh, book me up for a discovery call. Love it. And and you have a webinar going on, what, every two weeks? Yeah, every two weeks on Thursday, we have a webinar, and we're going to leave a link for that. It's going to be leaderspress.com slash affiliates. And you can sign up for the webinar on that. It's a webinar that I run. It's a 30-30. We have 30 minutes in which you get to hear me talk and be fun. And then we got 30 minutes where you can actually talk with some of our publishing directors about ways that we can help you with a book or just shoot us some book ideas, and we can see what we can do. Fantastic. Yeah, get with get with Andrew, leaderspress.com slash affiliates to be on the webinar or simply send him an email. I'm putting it here again on the screen and we're also going to put it in the show notes. Andrew, thank you for being here. Your your um, last famous words. What are you known for? You know for? <laughs> I am the camera seeking missile. <laughs> That is that, that's that is that's the joke at, at uh, Leaders Press. That's what Alinka calls me. And, and I like that name because what I love about what I do is my ability to get in front of people and meet new people, meeting you, meeting the people we have on the podcast, uh, talking to our authors. So much of my life has been learning. It's been teaching. It's been learning. And you cannot learn new things without continually getting in front of new people and hearing new perspectives. And there is nothing that I have loved more about being in publishing than continuing to hear those perspectives and being able to both enhance our business and myself. Yeah. Thank you for those famous last words. I will add to that our tagline, learn, do, teach, and it never ends. As teachers, yep. we know it's a spiral and it never ends. Andrew, thank you for being here on the show, guys. Make sure that you get with Andrew, um, listen to the podcast and be on that webinar. And yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say hopefully very soon on your podcast, Andrew, and we'll get together to schedule that. Um, thank you. 
Thank you for being here. Guys, thanks for tuning in to the Success Pattern Show on this beautiful Tuesday. As always, it's a pleasure. Tune in again next week, same time, same place, with incredible guest expert. Until then, ciao. Thank you for tuning in, and you will notice opportunities to apply success patterns daily while eagerly anticipating next week's content-rich success patterns.